Thanks for tuning into this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can check us out on the web at hillsideassembly.org. You're about to hear a message from our current message series, and I hope you open your heart and mind to hear a word from God today. you have in your life. But I want you to, right now, take a moment to think, just in your mind, name different blessings that God has given you. 
I'm sure you can think of hundreds, thousands, millions. But in this time, just maybe think of a couple and keep those in your mind as we sing this next song.
song together as we go into the rest of service and we hear pastor preach the word of God um, he's going to be focusing on the word of God and what it does in our lives so this song might be a little newer for you um, but I hope that as you sing along or listen um, that you would prepare your heart to hear the word of God speak Word of God speak, won't you pour down like rain, washing my eyes to see your majesty, to be still and know that you're in this place, please let me stay rest in your In your holiness, 
to read that you may speak to our hearts and our lives. Lord, this morning, this vessel is tired, exhausted, does not have much. It is weak, but Lord, the Spirit is willing. Lord, I ask for your anointing to preach the word that you have for us today, not in my power, but in yours. That God, you would accomplish all that you want to do in and through this place today. In Jesus' name, and God's people said, Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning, worship team. Thank you so much. This morning's message is uh, kind of an informational uh, message. We're going to see a pattern laid out uh, that we'll see now throughout the rest of the book of Acts. Uh, We're in a mini-series called Calling and Conflicts as we go through the book of Acts, and this morning's message is entitled, Accepted, Rejected, and Everything in Between. Uh, maybe you've been to holiday weekend. We can cram a lot of things in there. Maybe you felt all those emotions. Maybe you felt accepted. Maybe you felt rejected and all the things that came in between that. Uh, so let's go ahead and kind of recap where we are today. Uh, we're going to be focusing in on uh, what our expectations should be and the response that we should have to God's word being preached and taught effectively and applied effectively in our life. There are some things that we should come to expect from that, uh, and those are going to be laid out for us today in the Scriptures. I'm going to try really hard not to cough all through my, my pa- or preaching this morning, but I think you guys will give me the grace that I need to get through this. So we're picking up, and Paul and Barnabas are continuing their missions tour. Uh, they've left the island of Cyprus. They've moved to the north. Uh, They're now moving in the inland, um, up to the north. They find themselves in a place called um, Pisidia, Antioch, which is not the original Antioch that they left from. This is a different location uh, with a similar name. We know that John Mark has left them, and so now it is just the two of them continuing on this mission's journey together. So Paul then gives a sermon in the synagogue there in Antioch, and I'm just going to give you a quick summary of that message today, and then we'll get into the scripture that I really want to get into. So Paul reviewed the history of Israel with them, climaxing with the ministry of John the Baptist and the coming of the Messiah. He made it clear that it was God who was at work in and for Israel, preparing the way for the coming of the promised Messiah. He explained to them why their leaders in Jerusalem had rejected and crucified Jesus. It was not because they had not read or heard the message of the prophets. It was because they misunderstood the message itself. The resurrection of Jesus Christ was the crucial 
points that Paul was trying to get across to his audience that day. And since Paul was addressing a synagogue congregation, he used the Old Testament scriptures to support his arguments. Paul had declared the good news to them, and now it all, all that remained was to make the personal application, to draw the net in as sorts. He told them that through faith in Jesus Christ, they could have two blessings that the law could never provide, the forgiveness of their sins and justification before the throne of God. And what I want to focus in today is here, is here is Paul, and he has laid out a message before these people who have never heard this kind of preaching before, laid out in the Jewish synagogue. And I want to see not only their response, but the community's response to the word of God being preached. So let's look at that in Acts chapter 13, verse 42. As Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. When the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews had, had, had many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. They began to contradict what Paul was saying and heap abuse on him. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, We had to speak the word of God to you first, since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life. We now turn to the Gentiles for this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord, and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. Wow, that's a powerful church service. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region, but the Jewish leaders incited incited the God-fearing women of high standing and leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from the region. So they shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them and went to Iconom. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. I love the way that the Bible speaks about the way that the Word of God works. We find in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says this, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to divide soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. So let's look at some of the way that God's word is working in this passage of Scripture and give us some expectation about the word of God in our own life, in our own community, as we move forward. Number one, the Word of God brings interest. When the Word of God is preached effectively, taught effectively, applied effectively, it brings interest from people because it is unlike anything that they have ever seen or experienced. The Word of God is powerful, and it changes people's lives. Initially, when Paul preached to those in Antioch, 
there was a great reception among the people. They were interested in hearing what Paul and Barnabas had to say. They were like the soils that Jesus talked about in the Bible, receiving the word with joy. Even before they left the synagogue, people were expressing their desire to hear more. Often when pastors finish a sermon, we'll hear, hey, that was a good sermon, or thank you for sharing. To them, they said, can you come back next week? Can you come back? We want to hear more about what you're sharing, because we've never heard anything like this. They were, they were fascinated by it. There was an interest in what they were saying about what Paul, Jews, and devout converts to Judy of God, and that is the key word that I think fits for this message that Paul gave. What drew the interest of so many? It was this concept of grace that they had never heard about before. It was fascinating to them. Paul was preaching free grace to those in the synagogue that day. Believe in Jesus, and you will be forgiven of your sins. Believe in Jesus, and you will be free from the condemnation that comes through the law of Moses. Judaism, Judaism had become this religion that was keeping the powerful in charge and was keeping the people in need underfoot and unable to connect with their God. Paul came in and said, look, the system is broken. What you need is Jesus in your life. You can go straight to God. You can have a relationship with God. He can set you free. He can transform your life. Your sins can be forgiven, and you can stand boldly before the throne of God. This was new and exciting because they were talking about freedom, and the religion of the time was keeping them in bondage and slavery. They were excited about this message. Tell us more. Tell us more. People are interested when they hear the word of God properly preached and taught. The message of grace is one our community still needs to hear today. Thank goodness some people are excited about that. That's the message that they need to hear. But too often we have allowed others to say what the message of the church is. The message is the gospel. It is the good news of Jesus. That is our message, and that is what we should be known for. As the word is preached, we also need to give the word a window to work in. There was an interest in, in what God was doing, what God was saying through Paul and Barnabas. And Paul and Barnabas needed to give that word that they had preached time to do what the word of God does. Like a great marinade for a steak or chicken, sometimes you just got to leave it alone in the fridge. Let it marinate. Let it soak in. They had preached the word, and I'm sure they were doing ministry all that week, but the word of God was active, and it was changing hearts and lives. How did all these people come the next week? Because people were so excited, so interested, they invited somebody else. Come and check this out. Come and see. Sometimes we just need to let the word just do what the word does. The Holy Spirit knows what he is doing, and it is only the Holy Spirit that can bring conviction. When we try to step into his shoes, we only bring condemnation. 
Let the Holy Spirit do his job. You do yours. Yours is to be a witness to the kingdom, a witness to the work that Jesus is doing. That is what you and I are called to do. We are not called to bring conviction. We're called to be witnesses of what Jesus has done, what he is doing, and what he will do. That is our job. Number two, the word brings opposition. Now, I'm sorry to tell you that not everything that the word of God does is all sunshines and roses. There are some things that are difficult about the word of God. One of the things that the word of God does, it brings opposition. We see that in verse 45. That next Saturday rolled around, it was time for service at the synagogue, and it was SRO, standing room only. Acts 13, 44 says, on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Almost the whole city. Could you imagine the next room? We'd have the streets. We'd have outside, and it would be crazy. And that's what was happening. But then verse 45 says this, when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. They began to contradict what Paul was saying and heap abuses onto him. For some, their, their initial interest had now turned to antagonism. It's interesting here that the Bible tells us exactly what was the cause of the opposition, and it was their jealousy. The Jews saw the crowds. They were filled with jealousy. Here was these out-of-town preachers doing what none of the preachers in the synagogue could do, bring interest of the city to hear the word of God. And a handful of people let jealousy cloud their judgment. And how did they put forward their opposition? They contradicted Paul. It's not like they reasoned against what Paul was saying. They came from a different point of view and debated him. They were putting forth arguments for their case. No, they simply opposed him because of who he was. They were not listening to the substance of his words. It sounds a lot like our environment today. It's not the substance of what is said that is important to people. It's who's saying it and what side they're on. Because if they're on that other side, then they must be wrong. And so their statements are negated. They're neglected. It's a sad thing that we see that so much in our country today because I'm going to tell you that's how societies fall apart. When we simply say, well, because they're a part of this party or because they associate with this person, I'm not going to listen to anything they have to say. And when we stop hearing what people have to say, it is a very dangerous place to be. I recently had been watching a special on uh, John F. Kennedy, and I really admired the man. Because when it came time to do the right thing, he seemed to step up to the plate. When his advisor said, you know what, we would highly suggest you not address the nation when it came to the whole issue of integrating colleges, and they'd stepped in, it was a kind of a big mess, and they said, look, the last thing we need to do is if you tie yourself to this, it could ruin you. He stood up to the plate and said, I will address the people of this nation because it's the right thing to do. Substance matters, folks. Character matters. Character matters. 
But to them, they could not listen to Paul and Barnabas. They could not hear their words because jealousy had so gotten a hold of their heart and now had turned to bitterness. Paul and Barnabas, they were making an impact in this community. And any time that you make an impact, you will experience opposition. We can expect the same thing today. As our church impacts our community, there will be those who criticize us, that say nasty things about our church, about our leadership. It's not a new thing. I've been here nine years. There have been some things said about me and some of our leaders here at this church that have been very nasty. And there will be those as we move forward. That will happen. But that does not neglect the fact that God has called us to be obedient to him and to serve this community. Just because people are nasty, just because people criticize, does not mean that we should, not, we should stop. We have to do the work God has called us to do. Some of that criticism will come from other churches. It will come from other people who say they are Christians, and they will ridicule you. Some will be from the secular community. And if it happens for the church, I want to tell you, it will definitely happen to you. As you experience what God has for you, as you allow God's word to change your life, and here's the thing, the more time you spend with God's word, and as you change, doing that, I can't believe you're wasting your time serving at this, and some of it will come from other Christians that are jealous, some will come from family members that can't understand, some will come from coworkers or complete strangers. That is just the way it is. But for every person that might ridicule you for what you're doing for Christ, there is somebody who you can reach for the kingdom who will not go to hell because you are willing to stand up and share the gospel and serve in this community. And can I tell you something? That is worth it all. It is worth the price to have people talk about our names and say, well, that's the foolish church. That's the church that does this or that or the other. Let them ridicule, let them laugh, let them be jealous because I'm after the person that needs to hear the hope of Jesus Christ. They're worth that price. Which brings us to the third thing. The word of God brings salvation. Look at verses 46 through 49. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly. We had to speak the word of God to you first, since you rejected it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life. Now we turn to the Gentiles, for this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. In verse 48, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord, and all were who were appointed to eternal life believed it is worth the effort. God's word brings salvation. Not everyone will choose to receive it, but for those who do, it will change their life. These people that were hearing this word had been put down, said they could never be enough. They could never add up. Their lives didn't matter. But these two men said it matters to God. And when they had ridicule against them, they stood up and said, we won't be quiet. We will preach the word of God. And when it was preached, these people's lives were changed. It said they honored the word of God. The Jewish leaders, those in high regard in this community, may not have thought anything of these Gentiles, but God saw them. It was worth God's time. It was worth Paul and Barnabas's time. We must make sure 
that is the real gospel that we share because it is the real gospel that makes this kind of transformation. And we should preach the word with the right heart. It would have been very easy for Paul and Barnabas to get bitter, to yell and scream and to fight back. Instead, they said, we will answer your response with preaching the word with the right heart. God has called us. We will respond. Lives get touched and changed when the hope of the gospel is shared. We share the gospel that people might experience salvation. And what people are those? Young and old, of every single race on this planet, from every single nation. All are loved by God. All deserve to hear the gospel. All men are equal at the foot of the cross. But not every church feels that way. Nine years ago, when my wife and I were having to put our resume out to several different churches, another church reached out to us and asked us to become their lead pastors. It was not in this state, but it was a state close by. As they said, they would be happy to have us come and serve, laid out all the things that they expected, and among them was a list of things that they did not want to see happen. At the top of the list was, we do not want you to ever talk about evangelism from the pulpit. We have no need for new people coming to our church. We like the way it is. We don't want to change. I wrote a very wordy response back to that church. The church has to see it that way, into the kingdom. Number four, the word brings persecution. Acts 13, 50. But the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of high standing and leading men of the city. Let me tell you something this morning, church. You might be God-fearing, but I'd rather you be God-honoring. I think the saddest part of this story is that Jewish leaders went to God-fearing women and high-standing men in the community and turned them against the gospel. Be careful, church. May we always walk in humility, and may we not be deceived. There will always be those who come with slick words and try to change and, and, and manipulate things, but God is not a God of manipulation. He is a God of truth. Listen, I know not everything that we do as a church may be your specific flavor of ice cream, but that's okay. Because God is a God of multiple flavors. He's got more than 31. He's better than Baskin-Robbins. Not everything might be your cup of tea. But thank goodness we are trying to do some things that reach people's lives. Thank goodness we are moving beyond the walls of the church to try to share the gospel. Thank goodness we give to missionary partners who are bold and out there and breaking new ground. Thank goodness that we're willing to put aside our own comforts and joys to do some things that are a little bit different, a little bit uncomfortable for us so that somebody might hear the gospel message in our community and respond. There will always be persecution. There will always be those who stir it up. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from the region. So they shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them and went on to the next city. 20 years ago, there was a church in Walt Hill, Nebraska. It's 
Some of you have heard me share about this before. Walt Hill is an Indian reservation. And Assemblies of God Church was formed there with the intent of reaching the people that lived on the reservation. That was the goal. But 20 years ago, what had happened was the only people from the reservation that were coming was a handful of kids that the pastor and his wife were inviting to come to church. The rest of the church was filled from people who were traveling some 20 to 30 miles away to come and be a part of this church. One Sunday morning after church, the congregation met and told the pastor, we're no longer comfortable with the kids being in service. They're too much of a distraction. They finally gave an ultimatum to the pastor and said, here it is. You can rather have the kids come to church or us. The pastor chose the kids, and that next Sunday morning, it was the pastor, his wife, and 10 kids from the res, and that was it. 20 years later, that church is thriving, and it is filled with people from the reservation. Sometimes God needs to do a pruning work. Church, I don't want you to be pruned. There's enough room here for everybody, young, old, and everything in between. Every race on the face of the planet can come to church here. And we're all equal at the foot of the cross. God's word brings people together. It brings believers together. It also brings the enemies of the gospel together. (laughs) And that's what we see in this passage of scripture. The persecution was strong. It was difficult. Here, Paul and Barnabas, they're expelled from the community. It's interesting. The word of God is spreading like wildfire, and these guys are expelled from the community. It was difficult. And we know that there were some very hurtful things that were done. In the case of answers, we'll see. How do I say it? Thank you. There it is. He's he's not tongue-tied this morning. He's got it. Uh, We'll see wicked men being gathered together against Paul in Acts 17. Yet God is good and faithful. And sometime later, Paul would write to Timothy, as Timothy is a young pastor at this point in time. And in 2 Timothy 3.10, he says this, You, however, know all about my teachings, my way of life, my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance, persecutions and sufferings of all kinds that happened to me in Antioch. The persecutions I endured yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. That's good news. That's good news for us because it tells us this. If God puts us in a mess, God will rescue us from it. I think sometimes we think following God is always going to be rainbows and sunshine, and it's not. Look at these men and women of God. God called them. Daniel, I'm going to call you right into a lion's den. What? <laughs> Radshak, Meshach, and Abednego, I'm going to lead you right into a fiery furnace. Wait, now what? We don't often think about that. But here is the good news. If God leads us to a mess, God can rescue us from it. Just make sure the messes that we're getting into are the ones that he's leading us into. All right? God's big, he's huge, and he can get you out of a mess that you put yourself into as well. All right? But it is a whole lot easier if the messes you find yourself in are because you were being obedient to the Lord, not because you were rejecting the Lord and being rebellious. Those messes take a lot more cleanup, and there are a lot more consequences to those. But our God is big, and he is faithful. 
Number five, and the final thing for today, worship team, if you get ready to come back, the word brings joy. The word brings joy. Acts 13, verse 52, and the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. Wait, the two guys that were leading you were just kicked out of town. How can they be filled with joy? This is the same joy mentioned in verse 48 that caused the Gentiles to rejoice in their salvation. This initial joy was a sustaining joy, which lasted on. It is because they were filled with the Holy Spirit who brings the fruit of joy in their lives that they're able to have joy in the midst of conflict. And even for Paul and Barnabas, they had no idea if these, if these works were going to last. As they left this town, they wiped the, the dust off their feet as a sign to those who had rejected the gospel, and they moved on. But the interesting thing here is they had no idea what would happen. But it's years later that they would say, let's go back because we've got a thriving church in Antioch. How did that happen? Because some of these people that were there and experienced Jesus, there was a lasting transformation. And the town may have kicked out Paul and Barnabas, but they couldn't kick out the whole church because the church was bigger than the people that were leading the rebellion. God is good. We may not always know what God will do with our obedience. We may not know if the things that we do today will last or not. But that's not for you and I to decide. It's obedience that we're called to. It's obedience. And when we are obedient to God's word, it brings fulfillment. Peter spoke about this in 1 Peter 1, 8 through 9. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And you are filled with the inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are your joy as you are faithful to him in the word. Would you bow your heads this morning? God's word brings five things. It brings interest. It brings opposition. It brings salvation, it brings persecution, and it brings joy. If you're here this morning and you don't have a living relationship with Jesus, maybe you've gone to church your whole life, but you've never heard that Jesus died for you, that he came, that he lived among us, that he died on the cross, was buried in a tomb, but rose from the grave. And because he rose, our sin can be forgiven. He has paid the ultimate price for our imperfection. We are made right before God when we say we want a relationship with you through Jesus Christ, that we believe he is the Lamb of God, the sacrifice, the Messiah. If you're here this morning and you want to start a relationship with Jesus, it's as simple as this, realizing that you're not perfect, realizing that Jesus died for you and that you accept him as your Savior and that you want to start to follow him and build a relationship with him. If that's you this morning, would you raise your hand? I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray with you. 
Maybe you're online today and you need to make that decision. Would you pray this prayer along with me? Jesus, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I'm broken. There are things in my life that are far from perfect. Lord, I need you to rescue me from my sin, from myself. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you came, that you died, that you rose again. And that, Lord, I want to follow you. Change my life from the inside out. Help me to become the person that you're calling me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made that decision, please let us know. Uh, if you're online, write, write, just write something in the comments. We'll reach out to you this week. Church, I want to pray for you this morning. And Kathy, could you just play a little something on the piano? As we head into the Christmas season, I want to urge you to be faithful to the Word of God. It's not always comfortable. It's not always easy. But I guarantee you that as you, if you let the Word of God reach into your heart, it will do something. It'll cause this interest in the Savior, a deeper, deepening that he's calling you to. And look, the enemy, the one thing he doesn't want you to do is he doesn't want you to get comfortable with the Word of God. So he'll throw opposition your way. That'll happen. And it'll happen all sorts of different ways. So expect opposition. But also believe this. If you apply the Word of God to your life and you do your best to share and be an example for the Word of God in our community, we can expect salvations in our community. That's a great expectation to have. Let others talk and gossip and say what they want to say as long as we are faithful to what God is calling us to do and serving our community well, being an example so that people can see Jesus with hands and feet. They can see that people care. They can see that there is a God who is real and that his people care about this community. And I believe as we allow the word of God to go deeper into our life, that no matter what we face, no matter what struggles may lay ahead of us, that we can have unspeakable joy in our spirit this Christmas season. Would you stand to your, to your word? Some days we are weak in our, in our bodies, but Lord, the spirit is willing. And your spirit is true. You empower us. You move before your people. You will move mountains that need to be moved or you will empower us to climb over the top of them. Lord, our community needs a witness. Our community needs the gospel. And you have called Hillside Assembly to take the gospel message to our community in big and in small ways. Lord, I pray for Dickens, uh, for the parade on Friday and for the windows on Saturday. Lord, we realize in a lot of communities there's a lot of crazy things going on. Lord, we pray for your hand of protection over our community this weekend, that we can celebrate Christmas with our community, that we don't have to live in fear. And Lord, we pray for bold witness, Lord God, to love people in us, our community as we hand out hot apple cider and invite people to come to church uh, for the 24th and the 17th, that, Lord, you would give us favor. 
that, Lord, there might be some relationships that are built, opportunities to pray for people or to talk with them, encourage them in a situation that they're facing. Lord, we just give you Saturday night that you would use us for a few hours in our community to be, to be the church you've called us to be. Lord, we pray, Lord, this holiday season as we can serve and, and do a live nativity. It's so simple, it's so easy, but Lord, it may touch, just even if it touches one person's life, encourages one person. Maybe somebody's just driving by and they'll stop because they see a crowd of cars down here in our bottom parking lot that they would hear the gospel message presented and an opportunity to have a relationship with you this holiday season. Lord, help us all that we may all invite people to come Christmas Eve morning to come hear the gospel message of the God who came and lived among his people, who came as a baby and who will return as a lion. Lord, we give you praise, glory, and honor, and we thank you for your word this morning. And God's people said, amen. Amen. We're going to give you an opportunity to give of your tithes and offerings. We have the box in the foyer. Uh, worship team, would you, are we ready to play something? Whatever you want to play, Adrian. We'll, we'll play a worship song as people are leaving today. Let's pray over our offering this morning. Lord, we pray a blessing over the offering. Lord, all those who give, that you would meet their needs in incredible ways. Lord, we pray for the finances that come into this church, that we would be faithful and good stewards, and that, Lord, you would help to what comes in for us to do more with it than we ever thought possible, to, Lord, share the gospel with our community and around the globe. Lord, we give you praise, glory, and honor, and we praise you as we leave this place. And God's people said, amen, amen. amen. You are dismissed. Worship team, why don't you play something to, to kick us out of here? One, two, three, four. One way, Jesus, you're the only one that I could live for. One way, Jesus, you're the only one that I could live for. I lay my life down Jesus, you're the only one that I